One man, one dream. Two men, two dreams. Two men, one dream. One place for all your guitar needs. SoGlo Guitar Gallery and SoGlo Custom Guitars at 509 Glouch. Glouch. SoGlo Guitar Gallery and SoGlo Custom Guitars at 509 Gloucester Street in Brunswick, Georgia has everything. Electric guitars, acoustic guitars, bass guitars, amplifiers, hand-built custom guitars and amps, strings, pedals, and accessories, instrument repairs and guitar lessons, mics and mic stands, even drumsticks. Get 10% off your next purchase. Just say you saw it or heard it on something in the water. For the wants, the needs, the dreams of South Georgia and North Florida guitar players. So Glow Guitar Gallery and So Glow Custom Guitars. 509 Gloucester Street, downtown Brunswick, Georgia. That was one of the best feelings that I have had in my life, right there. Another episode of Something in the Water. I'm Sean Clark. Now I'm Uncle Dave Griffin, and our guest this time is Alan Allnock, or as we call him, Alan Americana Allnock. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Good to have you, buddy. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. <laughs> um, as you'll notice, folks, uh, this is kind of a, a different background for Something in the Water, and uh, uh, we thought we'd. Uh, have a cup of coffee and uh we just had some biscuits and we're cutting this at the uh young hour of the day uh it's only about uh 9 30 in the morning so uh musicians ain't used to that yeah. hour <laughs> sean just had a gig last night yeah. too <laughs> uh, but uh we welcome y'all we welcome alan in to the podcast so how's it going, Al? It's going well. Glad to be here. I listen to you guys frequently on the podcast, and uh, Dave and I were just chatting about getting together and shooting the breeze sometime. And next thing I know, I've been invited to be a guest. <laughs> yeah, you don't mess around. You end up on a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, and and plus there is a relevant tie here. Uh, Way back in 1973 or four, I enrolled in uh, the technical school here. I believe at that time it was just called Wear Tech. That's right. Simply Wear Tech. 
Ware Technical School. And over the years, that has changed to uh, Ware Vocational Technical School. And they added more buildings, and then it became Waycross Ware Tech. Then it became uh, Okefenokee Tech, and now is it? Coastal Pines. Coastal Pines now. Technical College. Technical College now. And uh, way back in 73 or 74, I enrolled in an electronics course out there. And it was Alan's daddy who was the uh, instructor of that course, Jerry Allnock. And uh, me and a buddy of mine uh, went through that course. And I almost graduated. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a, a story for later on in the podcast. Uh, but yeah, that was a tie. And, uh, let's see. So you were born in about, uh, 69, 68, 68. Yeah. So yeah, I was six so years old about at the time. six years old when I was schooling out there. And, uh, did you ever go to the class? Occasionally. I remember my mother bringing me by, we'd stop yeah. by to see him for whatever reason. Yeah. And I have some vague memories of it. Were, uh, was class in session when you yeah. stopped by? Yeah. Well, I probably tormented you then. <laughs> there's there's the teacher's kid. <laughs> well, I, I never heard your name uh, brought okay, up at, at home, good. so I, I said I think that's, that was a good thing because <laughs> yeah. some names did make it home. So you must not have been too much of a troublemaker. <laughs> well, I like to think of uh, myself as not a troublemaker. but uh, Maybe a pot stirrer. I, I was probably stirring a good bit. <laughs> But uh, I do remember one thing we used to do. Your daddy was uh, a little bit, uh, he, he could be kind of edgy, you know. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, uh, you know. High strong. Edge. High strung. There you go. And he'd get over there pouring down on them books and stuff at his desk. Every now and then we'd, we'd get one of our textbooks and open it up about middle ways and then just slam it shut real, <laughs> real loud like that. Of course, you're in, a, in, in an electronics class yeah. where there's electricity going on and all. It sounded like an explosion or a boom, you know. That's a story I've never heard. What was that? What was that? <laughs> you can see it, though. <laughs> you know, old silly stuff. <laughs> uh, by that time, I was uh, in 74, I would have been... Mm, um, 21. So I boys was, being boys. Yeah. Mm. I was well old enough to not, but, uh, we were talking earlier about the, the, uh, age difference in that, that one class, you know, it, it went from, uh, there was one little kid that come in straight from senior class of high school, you know, spend half a day in high school and then he'd come on over there and, uh, get in some electronics course and then there was us a little bit older then there was these veterans from uh, uh world war ii and korean war and all vietnam they were in there you know wow. so it went yeah i remember there you know, being all ages i remember there being some older gentlemen in that class mm-hmm. now, how long have you known alan 
No, no, about no. as long as, okay. as you, okay. uh, probably yeah, within just, the last just few a months, few years. Really. Well, yeah, we we didn't meet in person until just earlier, uh, early in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think it was a, the uh, gig at the fish dock. Yeah, it was at the fish dock we, back in we met March or April. Time, you know, okay. but I had connected with Dave. Um, so I moved away from White Cross in tenth grade and. Uh, I went to the old Waycross High for a year and a half, and then we moved up to Statesboro. Mm. My dad got a job doing electronics maintenance at Georgia Southern University. Oh, okay. Uh, so we were away for a long time. My dad passed in 99. My mom moved back in 2016 and um, just fell right back into Waycross life and subscribing mm. to the Journal Herald. And I would come visit. I was living up in Columbus, Georgia at the time. Mm. And I would come visit, and she passed Passed along one of your columns one day, from uh, one of your tale of the week columns. Yeah. And she said, you need to read this guy. He's a, He likes Graham Parsons. He writes about Graham a lot. She knew <laughs> I was a Graham fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one day I, I read it for a while. And one day I just reached out on Facebook and said, hey, I just want to let you know I enjoy your column. And right. Dave wrote back and said, would you happen to be related to Jerry Allnock? He was my <laughs> electronics instructor. So yeah. We began a, a Facebook That's friendship. Right. That's and, uh, right. Finally then, got to meet. Then we met face to face due to uh, another friend of ours, right. Blake, Blake and Cindy McIntyre. Yep. So uh, Blake actually went to school here for a while too, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, interesting how connections are made. Mm-hmm. Blake and I never knew one another growing up. And uh, I know he moved away when he was in like fourth grade, uh, moved out to the West Coast. Oh. But we met four years ago at the Rose Bowl in California Wow! when Georgia played Oklahoma. Wow. We, we both were staying with a mutual friend, okay. um, Ross Cerency, who uh, was a Ware and County graduate. <laughs> Crazy, the yeah. connection. So, yeah. We're all the ways cross. And at that time, by that time, I was living in Jacksonville. Blake is in, um, well, he lives up in McIntosh um, County, mm-hmm. but it works at the Brunswick Hospital. Mm-hmm. So being that close, you know, we connected and stayed in touch and mm-hmm. finally he got me finally got me out to see uh pine, pine box, box dwellers yeah. at the fish dock yes yeah, i've time seen I you guys you. seen you guys a few times since then yeah. or I, I actually i saw you i think before then uh right before then at the swamp fest mm-hmm. um, okay yeah yeah downtown yeah yeah oh uh, <laughs> you mentioned raw currency now that goes back to my high school days um about 70 and 71, uh, I was old enough to drive, and I started driving the old Ford station wagon, the family car, or the second-hand car by that time. Uh, it became mine to shuttle back into the school in, and I would every morning I would go down Morningside, cross the uh, railroad tracks, and take the first or second road to the right where uh first road to the right would be right behind the shell station now and that's where bruce currency lived red-headed classmate of mine tennis player and and uh, uh tennis buddy of mine and uh he had uh two younger brothers uh tony who was in the high school band and probably about three or four years younger than me and Bruce. Then he had this baby brother who was a little old chunky, little old, looked like a little man. You know, he just had this face that looked like an old soul, you know, and that was Ross. And uh, 
uh, in 70 and 71, he was probably about two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're about the same age. He oh, might yeah. be, he might be a year older than me. Right. Uh, and he <laughs> well, actually, he was just a little kid toddling around in diapers and watching, uh, on Saturday morning was the banana splits. He was in band too. He was a saxophone player oh, yeah? and through his junior year and then he decided to go out for football and ended up having a stellar senior season. Wow. He ended up walking on and uh being a I think he was lettered three or four years at Georgia Southern. Dang. So, wow. Well a multi talented guy. I hope I hope. Ross is watching today. If not, I'll turn and, him uh, on to it. <laughs> if not, hey, Ross. He lives in Huntington Beach, California. <laughs> Did you ever outgrow them diapers? <laughs> That's how I remembered it. That's how we, uh, my memories had left him at diaper age. And, I'm and sure hello to Blake, too. Yeah. yeah hey, hey, hello Blake. to our good buddy, Blake. Well, we got the street sweeper or something's going on. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, doggone that street sweeper just interrupted it, my it took, train. Stole train your thoughts. Thought. Just yeah. sweeped your thoughts away. But uh, um, anyhow, you're a photographer. I am. Yep. Uh, Backgrounds in journalism, print journalism, but uh, oh, I was yeah. working at Callaway Gardens Resort up in West Georgia about eight or ten years ago, and just started dabbling in photography. Something I'd always wanted to to start, you know, just as a hobby. And then people started offering to pay me for it. So I'm <laughs> like, well, this might be a, a a new career. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm in the process of uh, well, I started a photography business three years ago when I moved to Jacksonville, um, doing real estate and commercial photography and uh, moved here away cross back back home back in September of 2021 and I'm um, in the process of opening a business here in in Waycross just a home-based business um, okay. again doing some real estate photography commercial um, you know spotlighting businesses and um, um, doing anything with journalism or? um yeah doing a, a little bit of uh, that too still doing some freelance writing um, cool. um, also with the photography um, family portraits, portrait photography. But uh, it helps to, to have that writing background because I can go to potential clients, particularly like editorial or commercial clients, and say, hey, I can write too. I can write a story or write some marketing copy mm -hmm. for you cool. and take pictures. So I've got a couple of clients where I do um, a good bit of writing for. Great. Do you uh, move into videography as well? I just started to get into that last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've had some video jobs. Um, still kind of feeling my way along with that, yeah. um, both on the, the shooting side and the editing side. But, but I enjoy you, uh, it. Give you a good name to uh, consult with on that. Justin Mercer. Uh, Caution <laughs> Light Media. Media. I heard of that guy. Uh, yeah. Well, there he is right there. <laughs> wave, yeah. Wave, Justin, if you can hear us. <laughs> Here from the, the the corner cafe, from the corner cafe, <laughs> Cherokee chat room. Ah, I like it, Cherokee chat room. Uh, we are in Cherokee Heights. That's right? right. We're in Cherokee Heights, and you walked here. I walked here. Yeah, <laughs> you're that close. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think four tenths of a mile. Yeah, I'm like, may as well get out and get some fresh air. Oh wow, you're right here. I'm I'm just a couple blocks over. So all right, right. What street are you on? Yeah. I'm on the corner of Forest and Hill. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm on Cherokee Drive. Bill I'm McIntosh. Not, I'm not the apartment building. I'm the right duplex. Okay. Yeah, I remember when y'all had Bill on. He said mm-hmm. he lives in this area. He's close. Um, Jim Hopkins lives catty-cornered right across the street there. Uh, he was a drummer in several bands that I was in coming along, and uh, we haven't had him on the podcast yet. And one, two, three houses down. Now everybody knows where we are, Dave. Is it that one right there, <laughs> Purdom? Helicopters are deploying. <laughs> <laughs> we, I don't know if that's a street sweeper or uh, industrial street washing machine. It's not trash pickup day. No, that's Friday. It is at our house. But uh, that's not ruining anything, is it? Probably can't hear it. Low-level noise out there. We'll be all right. So Uh, let's talk. uh, I'm sorry. You were about to say something. No, go ahead. I was going to say, let's talk some music. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's what brought us here. That's right. So you got a knowledge about Americana? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, grew up listening to, I remember riding around town with my mom running errands and listening to the old WACL AM classic country music and uh, just kind of sunk in. 570. Um, yeah. And uh, and my dad actually worked for um, for ACL for a while. Did he? Uh, so I kind of had that connection. Was but, he uh, uh, just like an engineer? He was an engineer. Yeah. I, I know he was on air. When he started his career in Alma, he was he did some on air work, and I think in Blackshear, and he may have done some on air work in Waycross, but mainly I think on the engineering side. Did he ever know uh, Roy Crosby? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy, yeah, he and Roy was, uh, was a DJ in Waycross on some of the stations. Uh, interestingly, he, he Roy, also had a funeral home. That's right. <laughs> so Alma. my mom grew up in Nichols, which is one town over from Alma, yeah. and yeah. my dad was from Baxley, which is on the other side of Alma and yeah. Roy knew them both. And I don't know if he directly introduced them, but he had a hand in getting them together. Is that like right? he, he yeah. knew one, knew the other and said, y'all need to meet. Hmm. So that was, uh, uh, one of the first studios that I ever recorded at was at Roy Crosby studio in Alma, which was located behind in the back of the funeral home. <laughs> and so, you know, occasionally Roy would be in there doing a session, you know, with us. He'd have a tie on and everything. And he'd pick his jacket up, throw it on. He says, hold on just a second, guys. I got to go up here and console the family. You know, he'd have to meet with, you know, a family whose loved one had just passed away, you know. and Well, my mom strange. Is, is the middle of nine siblings. Um, they grew up in a, a three-bedroom, one-bath home and on a farm in Nichols. Wow. And uh, so, you know, over the years, we've lost a few of those siblings. And my one of my uncles died, I don't know, it's probably been six or seven years ago. And at the funeral, you know, Roy, he did the, you know, all the, the undertaker duties. Mm-hmm. Also came out and sang the music, sang the hymns. <laughs> and I turned to somebody and said, you know, it's a small town when the when the yeah. funeral home guy is also the music provider. One-stop shop. That's right. <laughs> And, and quality too. That guy can sing. Well, there's one mm-hmm. thing that we we didn't have any issue with is is uh, playing too loud to uh, annoy somebody. You boys are going to wake the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't have to worry about anybody leaking over onto us with noise, you know, because they ain't making a sound. Yeah, you got there. a good built-in joke there. Yeah, yeah. If you hear noise, if y'all hear noises. That's uh, yeah, bad. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Zombie. Uh, Bruce Wood <laughs> recorded over there uh, with us. He was a drummer. And, uh, and I grew up I, across the street from him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think, I think that, uh, um, he uh, got thirsty and he asked Roy one time. He said, "I need to get a coke. Is that a coke machine?" Right here? He said, "Yeah, it's right up there." <laughs> and Bruce said, "Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll wait." Roy ended up uh, building a multi-million-dollar facility, a studio, state-of-the-art, out in the country, over there in uh, Bacon County, and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the best equipment you can actually uh, purchase to put Does in. Does he record a lot of artists out there? I don't think he does. I think it was probably more or less a tax write-off at this point. But, uh, but it was set up for also uh, video, mm-hmm. you know, audio-video, audio-visual production and everything. And uh, probably got a, a green screen in there and everything, you know. But I've never been to it. I've just heard people talk about it. But, well, uh, well, talking about my interest in music, um, you know, like country music growing up, but uh, like most kids, you know, got to be a teenager and rebelled against yeah. what I knew growing up. So got into listening to rock and roll, of course, like mm-hmm. everybody else. And, um, you know, I was an 80s uh, teenager, so... 80s hair bands and, you know arena (laughs) rock all that stuff uh i not a practicing musician now but i did play music growing up i was in the uh i played trombone from sixth grade through my freshman year in college Uh, so i was in the old waycross proud of waycross marching band for a year and for two two football seasons before we moved and uh had an inkling that I wanted to play guitar. Mom bought me a six string and um, I think I learned four or five chords and got frustrated because I couldn't change from one to the other fast enough. (laughs) That's on my to-do list is to, to pick that back up again one day. But uh, then got the idea, well, maybe I'll learn the bass guitar. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only got four strings. It's gotta be easier. (laughs) (laughs) I learned all, I didn't have any formal training, but I I learned a bunch of songs by ear or just, you know, listening. So I've, I've fooled around with a, you know, garage band type mm-hmm. scenario. And, and, uh, this is when we moved to Statesboro. Yeah. We had, uh, one in our one and only gig was the night after our high school graduation. And we played a bunch of, you know, rock covers. Uh, it was very forgettable, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, I was, uh, I went to George Southern university. Um, and actually there was a pretty good live music scene there in the mid to late eighties, early nineties. Uh, so, you know, always enjoyed live music. But when I was at uh, University of Georgia, I went there from 94 to 96 for grad school. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started coming back to, I guess, getting interested in what you call alt country or Americana, um, roots rock. I mean, it's got a lot of different names, but mm-hmm. there was a really growing scene there in Athens. And of course, Athens is a great music town mm-hmm. anyway. Rock and roll, you know, REM, B-52s, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But there was a, a really good... Um, kind of underground roots rock scene and uh, that's actually where i discovered graham um okay. and i don't even remember where or how i just i think i just picked up uh the the um grievous angel and uh, gp cds mm-hmm. in the music store there um, somebody must have told me about him but uh i remember 
there was actually, there were, you know, kind of like college towns, you know, everywhere there'll be guys playing in bands and they'll kind of crisscross into other bands and you, you see the same musicians out. Mm -hmm. They might be in different bands. Different bands. Mm -hmm. And um, there were two guys that played in several bands, but they had a little duo called the Hot Burritos. <laughs> and, wow. and it was a riff yeah. on the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little more mm -hmm. acoustic, but um, it was that type of, you know, uh, Graham-influenced music. So mm -hmm. that's where I got really started getting interested in that and just uh, became a not nearly the, the student of Graham as um, um, uh, your friend. Ray, Billy uh, Ray. Yeah, Billy Ray is. But, uh, you know, I've read several of the biographies and yeah. watched the documentary and just love his music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and music like that, um, I mean, which is a, a far-ranging genre, mm -hmm. you know, obviously. Yeah. But uh, that's that's kind of what sparked me to reach out you know, to you, Dave, a few weeks ago and say, I'd love to just get together and shoot the breeze about music mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, like we've said on podcasts in the past, you know, I, uh, me and uh, Billy Ray Heron uh, kind of grew up together musically uh, on the same road in Waycross, and uh, I learned my first notes on a bass guitar from Billy Ray, who was a little bit ahead of me musically. And then uh, uh, over the years, we, you know, went off to college. I went to Georgia Southern mm -hmm. for one quarter. The, was the flame still up there when you were there? A I, think it, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was when I was in high school, and then it became something else, yeah. and it's been a number of different names, but right. I do remember the flame. Yeah, and uh, he went to, uh, Ray went to uh, South Georgia College in Douglas, and in our college days, we'd come across friends, you know, who were a little more knowledgeable than we were, or uh, uh, would, would uh, suggest something that we had not heard yet. And Ray heard this guy saying something about, uh, one of the, uh, one of the guys in the birds is from Waycross. And he brought that little nugget back home. And, uh, on the weekends I'd come back to Waycross. He'd come back to Waycross. We sat around and, and, uh, talk about what we had learned new <laughs> and, uh, and he brought that up, and we dissected it and looked at it and turned it around and around. And we came to the conclusion that that guy didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> the birds that we knew at that time was the original birds, Roger McGuinn, David, uh, Crosby. David Crosby, Chris Hillman birds, and uh, – and turn, 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 tambourine man birds, you know. Uh, things took uh, a little bit longer to catch up to South Georgia, you know, from California. And, and the news back then that we had not heard yet was that the birds had, well, we, we knew that David Crosby was a former bird by that time because Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, now, we did not know that... Uh, um, that uh, Gene Clark had quit the birds and uh, they had gone through some changes and everything and they were down to a trio and looking for uh, somebody to fill 
Crosby shoes in in probably about sixty nine or so. Have you read or Chris Hillman's autobiography? Chris Hillman's autobiography it came out about a year or two ago. I have not read that one, but I read the 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 Flying Burrito Brothers thing that came out probably about. Ten years ago, yeah, I, I need to read that one. Hillman's yeah. book is good. Is uh, yeah, he, you know, it, it's his own story, but obviously mm-hmm. it goes through, you know, all that history. Um, mm-hmm. And the other guy from White Cross, Larry Murray, mm-hmm. yeah, um, he's the one. He moved to Southern California, right? Mm-hmm. And he had a, a lot of connections out there. Chris, he and Chris played together. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He talks a lot about that. That was really the start of his musical career, and then how that progressed. He moved north, um, you know, up to L.A. and Mm-hmm. Of course, the history with Graham. It's a good read. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I got out of that book, uh, the Flying Burrito Brothers book, was that uh, uh, Chris was pissed in a lot of that uh, book. He he just couldn't let let go uh, the idea that that Graham was uh, more recognized for everything. And more, you know, louded mm-hmm. than, and in my opinion, Chris is is an equal to Graham because they wrote those songs sure. together. Mm-hmm. You know, all those those great Burrito Brothers songs. I think he, by the time he wrote this book, he had let go of that. He had. Um, he I, had, from what I've read, it uh, was from more. Other he did talk about Graham's, you know, just kind of lack of professionalism yeah. and that's what irritated him mm-hmm. was he wanted to to make a career and, yeah. and graham was more of a seat of the pants kind of guy mm-hmm. but he you know he had good things to say i mean it was he acknowledged it was a special relationship and they had their differences but uh, um was at magnolia fest which they don't have anymore down in live oak uh i can't remember what year this was but it's probably 15 years ago and I was working with um, the, there's a guy if you ever went to any of those festivals that has this covered wagon and half of it lifts up and he prints t-shirts right there well, I was uh, I'd got I'd met him out at uh, live, uh, Twin Oaks here mm-hmm. Twin Oaks Park and ended up working with him since I had worked uh, screen printing before so like we're like side stage you know I'm printing shirts watching and uh Roger McGuinn was on the bill and uh, <laughs> he comes out just uh, acoustic and uh, I think he played for a little bit and then he introduced Chris Hillman who nobody knew was oh, there boy. and uh, Chris comes out and they're both sitting on stools and they're like let's play some songs by our old friend who's from around these parts yeah. and uh, they played a bunch of oh boy. Graham stuff that they had done together and whatever and people didn't know they were going to see him together no that's amazing and uh that was about when 2000 something yeah something around there yeah uh it was it was definitely uh pre-2002 because i didn't have a child yet and i had him in 2002 so okay it might have been 98 99 yeah that's such a, a treat when you get an unexpected guests like that yeah. I, I saw Emmy Lou and savannah probably it's probably been 20 years or so uh savannah music festival mm-hmm. and she was in the big johnny mercer theater mm-hmm. and uh just she surprised everybody and brought bela fleck on and he was he was getting ready to play a show around the corner at another wow. venue and she said you know we're just gonna have a song or two from a good friend of mine that's cool it's so cool <laughs> 
Yeah, I've seen Bella Fleck before at uh, Midtown Festival in Atlanta. They mm. were great. You know, you guys mentioned, I forget which podcast it was, but somebody talked about having seen um, Bastard Clements. I have, yeah. and, and one of y'all kind of lamented that you never got to saw him, I think. Or maybe it was the guest you had that never got to see him. It was probably our guest but, because we both seen him. So uh, probably Micah. I think it was her. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. yeah, he he probably died before. Uh, she's, yeah, our, she, yeah. she's young. She's but, very, uh, yeah. I, I saw him at one of the most unusual places at – a Barnes and Noble on Hilton Head Island. <laughs> wow! <Okay. Yeah. laughs> and it, there was a when I lived, I lived on Hilton Head. Well, I worked on Hilton Head for eight years. I lived in the little town next door in Bluffton most mm. of that time. But um, there was a band from Bluffton. They were a bluegrass band. They called themselves Low Country Boil. Just a bunch mm. of local guys, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they played clubs and restaurants and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had recorded, uh, self-published a CD, and uh, gotten Vassar to play on a song. Cool. And then they did a CD release party at the Barnes and Noble, and somehow got him to come. Wow! And I saw it what? in the paper. I'm like, that guy's a legend. He's coming yes. to the Barnes and Noble. There's a little coffee cafe there. So yeah, I got to see Vassar. It wasn't long. It was just a few years before he died. Yeah, I love that story of when he was playing with all uh, old in the way, mm-hmm. and uh, they were riding on the tour bus, I guess, and. I guess they were in California or somewhere, but there was a big billboard of Grateful Dead and with Jerry's face on it. And he's like, that looks like you. He's like, he had no idea. <laughs> what he was a part of? <laughs> yeah, like he didn't. He's like, I just thought you played banjo with us. Huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were in a rock band. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you how, how humble uh, Jerry Garcia was in life, you know. He didn't go around tooting his horn a whole lot. You just expect people to know that, you know. Uh, um, who's the uh, – what's the best concert uh, you've ever been to? Or in, oh, in that's your, a good in question. You, in your mind, uh, who's your most favorite artist that you got to see? Well, this goes a little beyond the Americana genre, but one of the best shows and the best sounding shows I ever went to was the Allm Brothers Band, uh, and that was in the summer '94 at Lakewood mm. Amphitheater, uh, and they were kind of on the, you know, on their comeback when mm. uh, you know Warren Haynes had been with them for a few years, and uh, they just they sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd gotten to see them more than that. That was the only time I ever got to see them, but. Um, uh, that there's actually that connection from them to you know Derek Trucks and being from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Derek was that's when he was a little teenager. They brought him up on stage that show. Like I think they were doing that whole summer and just None showing him off. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was probably like 14 or something. Yeah, that's about the time that I saw him. Yeah, um, walk in. Uh, uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Applejacks or whatever the name of that little San, San Marco club is down there. Jack Rabbits. Jack Rabbits. in Jacksonville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, just a few months after that's when I left to go to – I was living in Atlanta at the time. I left to go to grad school in Athens, and I think it was the first weekend I was there. He His band was playing the George Theater, and he was opening for Government Mule. So wow. I got to see him and Warren Haynes <laughs> wow. in that you know kind of small venue. Um, Isn't that incredible, though? And, a little 12, 13, 14-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you I've know, been just, following him ever just, since. I saw him. He was so good then. 
Well, I saw him and uh, in his band. They they did a kind of a scaled down version of the band this past summer, um, with COVID protocols still being like the mm-hmm. um, Daly's Amphitheater in Jacksonville was half capacity. So they were supposed to have the full band summer of 2020, and it got postponed till summer 2021. So I held on to my tickets, and then that got postponed till this coming summer. Mm. But then right after they announced that postponement, they said, well, we're going to do this kind of scale down tour. Um, so we're going to schedule some new dates. So I, I saw them uh, at that show. You know, it was like six members of the band rather than 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got tickets to see them in June with the full band. And I think in any capacity, seeing him and mm-hmm. him play and, and Susan, too. I mean, yeah. her voice. And I didn't realize what a guitar picker she is. Yeah. <laughs> She can play. I've seen them down in Live Oak, too. It's really good. So, 94, did you ever uh, come across All Good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a Waycross connection there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two of the guys. A couple of the guys, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Carter and... I saw them at Lakewood Amphitheater yeah. myself. Uh, they opened up uh, for uh, Neil Young oh, concert yeah. that I was at. Yeah, I saw them going back to... Uh, when I was still in Statesboro, I saw him there and then a number of times in Athens. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, in 2009, when no, 2011, when I went to work at Callaway Gardens, we had a music festival the first year I was there. One and only Harvest Moon Festival. The Harvest Moon uh, Festival. It was a good idea that uh, was just kind of poorly timed because it was in the middle of college football season. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't get the attendance that we had hoped for. But uh, as my... Uh, marketing director said well it's gonna be a heck of a party so we had we brought in an outside promoter from nashville he kind of overextended himself and he booked too many bands but they were all good bands we had like i think we had like 22 groups over wow. three days um and all good was one of them they had apparently they they reunite on occasion and uh, mm. we had them we had um one of the best acts uh john hyatt Mm-hmm. Uh, who's always been a favorite mm-hmm. songwriter of mine. Yeah. yeah. And had the B-52s. They were one of the, they were the Friday night opening act. Cool. What year again? This was two, 2011, fall of 2011. Cool. Uh, Sean Mullins, um, Sean Colvin were both mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, I've ran sound for Sean Mullins one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mainly Georgia artists that that thing sounds like, or a, uh, lot, a lot of them. Yeah, were. a lot of them were. We had... Um, <laughs> throwback to the 90s the gin blossoms remember them yep. they they headlined the other night i was yeah. bummed about missing uh, i didn't get to see a lot of john hyatt because uh employees were required to kind of volunteer some mm-hmm. hours so i was in the they had the big circus tent there on the lake um and that's where we had i, I did get to see sean colvin she played in the in the tent that night it's kind of a more intimate setup, but mm. um, Hyatt was out on the main stage by the lake. I was inside pouring beer <laughs> <laughs> for for a bunch of uh, attendees who were more interested in the football games on the big screen than they were yeah. in Sean Collins. Yeah. I felt yeah. I felt sorry for that oh, poor woman. It's yeah. hard to compete with football. I mean, it was yeah. Auburn on one TV and Georgia on yeah. another one. But you find that you find that playing out, you know, or we do all the time, you know, being a a little sports bar or something, restaurant, and uh, there will be big screen televisions going on and uh, with the sound down. And uh, um, you'll be sitting there giving it your best, you know, and uh, 
people will be uh, responding to whatever's going on on that uh, no volume screen football game, you know, and there'll be all of a sudden you'll sometimes it'll time out where you finish a song and you'll hear this. (laughs) And then you start to say, thank you. I've caught myself saying and then realize, oh, yeah, I just, I say thank you just to be funny. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Give me Elvis. Thank you. <laughs> like your mama. Thank you very much. So you were a uh, uh, server. Yeah. That was your job. At, that was, at, yeah, at, one night. I was a ticket taker one day. And yeah. I, I was doing parking while Olga was playing, so I could at least see him off in the distance. <laughs> Dang, man, you've got festival experience. I need to talk to you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love to be involved. Yeah. Yeah, Dave's got two. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, two festivals. And of course, everybody that listens in, uh, most everybody knows about that by now. But if you're hearing it for the first time, Swamp Town Get Down Music and Arts Festival, mid-March, and uh, the annual Graham Parsons Guitar Pool and Tribute Festival in mid-October. Uh you can look them both up on online uh, at gpgpfest.com or stgdfest.com. Take you both to the same place. It's a good time. Good times. Um, well, y'all want to take a little short break right now, and uh, yeah. we will be right back with our guest, Alan Americana All Knock. <laughs> Something in my brain won't let me stray Something in my veins gonna find its way Something in the water taught me how to pray When the cold black water finds its way into your veins You'll never be the same we're back so where did we leave off folks y'all tell us <laughs> i don't know we rambled quite a bit we, we don't know <laughs> <laughs> something in the rambling um uh we were talking about uh music and uh um i can't remember where we left off what was the um, podcast you were talking about yeah i uh, wondered if you guys had uh, heard of Robert Earl Keen's podcast. No. It's called, it's actually called the Americana Music Podcast. Wow. And I stumbled across it sometime last year. Um, he hasn't done one lately, but I think he did a year in episode. But basically, it's something similar to this. He's got a studio. I don't know if it's a video version because I always listen to it, but mm-hmm. he does an in studio version where he has a guest. Hmm. Um, and sometimes he does a live version where he'll meet up with somebody on stage, like maybe at intermission of a concert or something. But in either case, they talk, they go deep into the craft of songwriting. Okay. Um, you guys would love it, cool. being songwriters. Um, and he has some really interesting guests. And they talk about, he always asks them to define Americana music because it's so hard to define. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is your definition of it? <laughs> And they do a, a kind of a neat thing at the end. Um, they talk. He brings up the Hammond B three organ. He says we always we here at the Americana Music Podcast feel like 
the B3 is not named very colorfully, like what would you name it if you could rename it? So you get some interesting answers there. But he's had some, some you know, people that y'all listen to, I'm sure. Um, actually, he's had Elizabeth Cook on there, yeah. uh, you know, cool. semi-local girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, he One of the most interesting anecdotes, He, um, you guys familiar with Drew Holcomb? He's a kind name. of a folk singer. Uh, mm-hmm. His he and his wife are both recording artists. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. Um, I, I think you consider him Americana. I mean, uh, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors is the band's name. Mm-hmm. They're based in Nashville. Um, and he was doing one of these on stage interviews with Drew, and mm-hmm. and he said, um, Drew, he said, I think the question was something to the effect of, you know, what's the best advice you ever got? And he's like, well, I don't know if this is the best advice, but he he got to meet with Guy Clark one time. Wow. Texas legendary wow. songwriter. Yeah. And he said he he asked Guy, he's like, I was alone with Guy. I was like, I got to ask him this. He said, Guy, who are your influences? Who do you listen to? He said Guy Clark was rolling a cigarette. And he said he, he waited a few seconds. He finished rolling the cigarette, didn't even look up. And then when he was finished, he said, me. it's like i thought you know that's probably no other answer like if you're guy clark who else would you listen to yeah yeah that's some of the the music i like is that is the texas singer songwriters too towns bands oh my gosh yeah Yeah. and robert orkeen himself he did uh was it uh road goes on cherokee bingo or choctaw bingo no that's yeah um, um James, James McMurtry. James yeah, he's McMurtry. another good good Texas artist. Uh, James McMurtry wrote that song. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was Robert Earl King. That's right. Uh, Robert, Robert Earl on. King wrote... Um, Road Goes On Forever Party. Yeah. Road Goes On, yeah. 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 Which, in my favorite version of that, is by Joe Ely. Yeah. It's another good Texas Joe song. Joe yeah. I mean, that's a whole genre of music right there. Yeah, Flatlanders. Uh, Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Who appears in the Big Lebowski? Yeah, Smokey, <laughs> Smokey, over the line, Smokey. You know that goes back to Texas, uh, a big state, naturally, and it's going to have a lot of uh, musicians and famous songwriters and musicians to come out of there. But uh, Georgia has held its weight pretty oh, no good. Doubt. <laughs> I think, and this is my opinion now, Georgia. Uh, cross section of music that has come out of this state uh, is maybe more so than the other ones. Um, uh, very diverse. Very diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Texas, okay, but uh, I I don't see the rhythm and blues and soul thing uh, deep in the heart there's, of Texas there, as there's it blues. Was. Um, yeah, but. You, you're talking about James Brown, Ray Charles, Little Richard, Otis Redding, mm-hmm. right there. That's that's Mount Rushmore. Know, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> Little Richard was the king yeah. of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Then you had uh, Otis Redding, soul. Mm-hmm. James Brown, soul, soul, funk, and then uh, Ray Charles, just pure old. Oh man. Mm-hmm. And the blues influence of the Allman Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Then you had that. And then, going of on course, on. the other bands that you know of Allman that Brothers, era: Marshall Tucker, yeah. Wet Willie, Capricorn all of that. Records, Capricorn, Atlanta stuff. Rhythm Section. And then, then you got the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Mm-hmm. You got the pop end of it with Joe South, Billy Joe Royal. 
In the Athens Parsons. And you got the country edge, you mm. know, Alan Jackson, the modern people, and then Luke Bryan. way back. <laughs> then you go way back to uh, bluegrass, uh, Gid Tanner and the Skillet Liquors. Mm. Yep. And Gid Tanner, I believe, was Levi Lowry's great great granddaddy yeah. or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Levi Lowry, uh, a great fiddler from Decula, Georgia. Who played with uh, Zach Brown a little bit and co wrote Colder Weather with the Zach yeah. Brown band. Good, that. good buddy of ours. I think we, he pretty we, much wrote it and then he wrote it. We co wrote a song with Levi yep. in my living room, Sean and I did. Yeah. Uh, Levi and Fester Haygood had come down from North Georgia and uh, they spent the night over at our house and so we had a, a get together. <laughs> I think that might have been the night that Justin and, and Carried On came over to shoot some videos too. Yeah, I got there, but I think I was coming from a gig and they were wrapping up right. video and some stuff with them. And, but when you them. got there, uh, then Jason Chancy was there. So it was the five of us at that point. And uh, whenever, anytime that happens, you know, we're going to explore the possibilities of a, of a new song coming out of it. And uh, so we sat down and piddled around for about an hour and then something started happening. And, uh, it ended up being uh, Trembling Earth. Was the name of the song? Was the name of the song? And yeah, uh, being pretty dang good. Well, and sounds very said, local. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Locally influenced. Yeah, yeah. But it was instead of like, uh, uh, instead of the trembling earth being the swamp or whatever, it was uh, emotional. Emotional. Uh, it was uh, a woman. Uh, even better, having right? a having this pull on a guy. You know. He said, the ground below me softly trembles, you know. <laughs> I guess that could uh, be the result of a lot of things, you know, going on. But you kissed me, <laughs> and I trembled. When you mentioned in Georgia bands, it sparks a memory of some others. Uh, you had the Black Crows, oh, yeah. you know, who persist to this day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, Driving and Crying. Oh, yeah. Uh, Big time. Atlanta area bands. We've Kevin's. had Kevin Kenny play at the festival like yeah. three times. You know, there's some 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 of our headliners have been down multiple multiple times. They're they're another one I saw a lot during my days at George Southern. Yeah. They were kind of at their their peak back mm -hmm. then in the late '80s. Mm -hmm. And also at uh, in Statesboro, in my time in Athens, there was a an Athens band, Dream So Real, yeah. who were from Jessup, had South Georgia connections. I played a funeral, and I cannot remember this guy's name now, but he was an attorney, and somebody there was from Dream Surreal, mm -hmm. um, somebody's brother or something. Two, two of the guys were cousins, um, Trent and Drew. Um, they were, the I think, the guitar player and the drummer, and then the, the bass player. They were I think they were all from Jessup, but two of them were cousins. And I used to see them, you know, like I say, in both towns. They were they were touring a lot around that time that Olga was was touring and getting big. I mean, they were kind of on the brink of, you know, they had, I think they did three CD releases. Um, kind of power pop, mm -hmm. really good harmonies. I not too long ago went on iTunes and found all three of those releases and downloaded them, like reliving my 
soundtrack in my college years. <laughs> What's the guy's cousin? <laughs> um, I've noticed on your website as I was checking it out, um, by the way, you do have a website that's available for people to see your photography I do. and everything. What's, yeah, it's, what's it's, that? It's allenallknock.com. I'll spell that because my well, name's a tongue twister. It's A-L-L-E-N-A-L-L-N-O-C-H, allenallknock.com. My business is called AHA Photography. AHA. My initials are A-H-A, so okay. kind of uh-huh. built in there. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I showcase my photography. Um, um trying to, like I say, starting that biz or restarting here in Georgia based in Waycross. And I'll be offering family portrait photography as well as commercial um, in real estate. And cool. also I, um, I love to just, I love to be outdoors. I love to be out, shoot landscapes. Um, yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, I've got a sunsets over mm-hmm. the marshes. And yeah, stuff. I've got some stuff from the lake here and the mm-hmm. Georgia coast and, and have traveled around the U.S. Um, so I put some of that stuff available for sale on the site. And, um, and I saw some aerial photography too. So yeah, dude. Your daddy used to fly. That's right. Yeah, my dad was a private pilot. Um, do you, and I, do you do I, any flying? I flew with him as a as a teenager yeah. all over Southeast Georgia, and and loved it. Um, kind of when he sold his plane, I was in college and just kind of forgot about it for a long time. Did you know how to do it yourself? I mean, he would let me take the controls. Yeah. You know, just. Um, always there i didn't you know i wasn't a pilot by any means he always offered me the opportunity to, to learn to fly he said yeah. I'll, i got the airplane i'll pay for the lessons yeah but um i got interested in it again about 10 years ago um, when i was living in columbus and i got involved at the airport there with some pilots but uh, never did pursue it in terms of of flying lessons but what i did do was uh get into drone photography and videography so I, um, to do it commercially you have to have a license from the faa so I have that license, and um, that gives a whole new you know, perspective to, especially landscape photography. It also helps in real estate. All right, a drone photography. Mm-hmm. What is uh, a drone? You're you're still on the ground, right? It's, okay. You know, little. But you still have to have FAA. You do. Approval. Yeah, you don't just if you're doing it recreationally, anybody can do it. But if you're going to make money at it, um, you. you have to have a license. So it's a written test. Yes. You basically need to know the rules of airspace and uh, for, for who, yeah where you can you're and can't control, fly. You're flying the drone, right? And and you've got to keep that drone out of harm's way. That's right. You or, can't be out of know, Area Fifty One. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it gets dicier in uh, more congested areas or where there's like controlled airports. Like okay. Jacksonville has several controlled airports. Yeah. So there's some limitations on where you can. And How can't high fly. can a drone go? Legally, 400 feet. Um, physically, well, it'll go higher. <laughs> and, what's the uh, lowest that uh, airplanes tend well, to be? Are they like, they like, are our zones like up and down? Yeah, right? I mean, unless you're right next to an airport um, where a plane's in a landing pattern, you shouldn't have to contend with a, a general aviation aircraft at 400 feet. Yeah. And that's why they limit it. But, you know, I know there's Yahoo's out there without certification who are just doing whatever they want to uh mm-hmm. they they give us commercial pilots a bad name <laughs> i remember when we uh last year uh, 2021 uh, we took a trip up to mount airy in north carolina to the mayberry day festival and while we were gone 
some Yahoo <laughs> landed an airplane. <laughs> up, so it got caught oh, yeah. in the, I mean, he, he must have been going straight down, and it got snagged on a power line. He was hanging right there, it was, and it was almost like just about the, the nose to hit the ground. The one that happened boing. here, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just uh, he was September. flying from he would, had come from somewhere down in Florida. That's right. Yeah, and, and all of a sudden he dropped off the radar or was dropping off the radar. <laughs> but he was. Uh, they were saying he was unconscious for a little bit there. I think, I think <laughs> that the was, guy was yeah. That was last yeah. fall. That was not yeah. long after I moved here. I remember the. I think I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, I saw the yeah, picture on Facebook. Well, and I was like, "Wow!" And he was, was up there for several the hours, yeah, hanging hanging by the tail from a power line. And like, I think he was actually inbound for this airport, maybe. Like I, 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 I think he sure, was planning yeah. on stopping here yeah. anyway, but then his engine gave out before he got here. He's so, probably gliding down, and then that caught or something. I think that happened. Yeah, down. he was trying to make it to the airport because mm-hmm. it happened not far from there. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. close. Yeah, yeah. It was right, right there off of Albany. Excitement in the small town. In front of, <laughs> in front of uh, Gary Keel's house, who was my co-classmate in your daddy's oh. class. So. <laughs> there you go. So that's a good segue right there. there we'll go. go into now. Uh, uh, it's time for a tale of the week from Uncle Dave Griffin. That's me. And uh, it goes a little bit like this. Sweetbriar, the first country rock band in Waycross, Georgia, faded in the first few months of 1975. Billy Ray Heron and I had started the group in the summer of 74 and saw it through several personnel changes. Lead guitar and keyboard players were added, and drummers and bass players departed. By the spring of 75, veteran Blackshear drummer Bruce Wood was in the group, and Billy Ray Heron had left, leaving me to steer things forward. Bruce had been in one of Blackshear George's early psychedelic bands, Midnight Sun, and provided stability, but I was having a difficult time managing the group. Sweetbriar was still an excellent band with good players, and our strength lay in our vocal harmonies. We rehearsed in a cowhouse in Blackshear belonging to a fellow named Punk Davis. Punk was a nice guy, a little older than us, and friend of our former drummer, Monty Carden. I remember... He sang a little barbershop quartet in his spare time. One Sunday at a cowhouse rehearsal, the door opened and in walked Wayne and Ann Scarborough with Donnie and Sandy Kinney. Recognizing Wayne at once, we straightened up and sang as pretty as we could. Terry Wayne Scarborough was an elder statesman on the Waycross music scene. A graduate of Waycross High School in 1965, Wayne had played in the Royals and the Riots, local dance bands around Waycross, before heading off to the University of Georgia in Athens. Once there, he became a member of one of the foremost soul music bands in the Southeast, King David and the Slaves. Lead singer for the Slaves was Randall Bramlett, one of Georgia's most talented musical sons who went on to play with Greg Allman, Bonnie Raitt, Steve Winwood, Cowboy, and Sea level while maintaining a stellar solo career. King David and the Slaves had the advantage of two quality lead vocalists in the group. 
The other was an Albany, Georgia native by the name of Eddie Middleton, who had success in the late 70s with a solo record on the Epic label. In 1981, he helped found the acclaimed contemporary Christian vocal band, New Song. Wayne Scarborough headed back to Waycross after his college days with the Slaves and hired on as a late-night DJ at WAYX. He married Ann Watkins, a beautiful local girl, and wound up selling guitars at Harold's Music Store, located behind the Waycross City Auditorium. I bought my first guitar in the early 70s from Harold's, probably from Wayne. It was a tempo acoustic guitar that was all of $50, but worth a million to me. Word had gotten around town and back to Wayne that there was a young band that could sing their asses off. So he, Ann, and another couple came out to the cow house to listen. We passed the audition, and Wayne Scarborough became our new bass player, manager, and booking agents. agent. Musically employed again, he bought himself a gorgeous Rickenbacker bass, and we started booking the band with a new name, Homegrown. Son of former Ware County Sheriff Robert E. Lee, Robert Lee, and his cousin Owen Lee opened a small bar on Reynolds Street in Waycross, called it the New Bar. It became our home away from home as we rehearsed and played there every weekend. In September of 75, Eddie Middleton was fronting a three-piece R&B outfit at the Inn Place, a Holiday Inn bar right next to I-75 in Valdosta, Georgia. His keyboard player had announced his resignation to take on a foreign ministry in South America, leaving Eddie scrambling to find a suitable replacement group. He called his old King David the Slaves bandmate, Wayne Scarborough, and Wayne told him, I got you, band. At the time, Homegrown's repertoire consisted mainly of Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Orleans, Almond Brothers, and a skin-tight medley ending with Spirits, I Got a Line on You. I had listened to some R&B on the radio growing up, mostly Motown stuff, but I'd never played any except for Dave Mason's version of Sam Cooke's Bring It On Home to Me. This young man was fixing to get an education. With our future employer song list in our hands, we practiced weeknights at the new bar, performed Friday and Saturday, and rehearsed with Middleton there on Sundays for about a month, learning Sly and the Family Stone's Hot Fun in the Summertime, Brooke Benton's Rainy Night in Georgia, and countless other soul classics. Finally, the end of October came. I had several weeks left before graduating from an electronics course taught by our guest, Alan, Daddy Jerry Allnock at Wake Cross Ware Technical School. When I told my daddy I was quitting school and going on the road to play music for a living, that didn't bode well with him at the time, and looking back, I can totally understand his disappointment. But music was calling my name, and nothing could stand in the way. I packed my Volkswagen van and headed west to Valdosta. It was a Sunday evening, and my old Satiko 8-track tape player was the band War, singing in beautiful harmony as the sun dropped in front of me. 
And it was uh, this song. That's a good one to leave town on. Oh my God. I was just coming into Valdosta. Look at y'all. Man, that was the best that I ever felt. That was one of the best feelings that I have had in my life, right there. Was grooving into Valdosta, fixing to embark on a three year, <laughs> uh, nothing but playing music on the road with a band. And uh, that song came on the tape deck. All Day Music was the name of that. Pretty good sign. It was great. Good uh, stuff, Dave. Yeah. Uh, your daddy, uh, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up about your daddy was um, he also, didn't he work for uh, WXGA for a while, the TV station out? In, he did, yeah. In, uh, Cogdale? Um, yep. Um, I don't remember all the details, but he was he was with the state of Georgia for mm -hmm. a long time. Um, I know the year, I think the year before I was born, <laughs> Mom and Dad moved to Dawson for a year just to start the t uh, TV station over there, the state mm -hmm. television was it, station. Was it Georgia Public? Yeah, it was yeah. Georgia Public TV, yeah. I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, when he came back, um, he worked for the TV station here. Mm -hmm. And and he may have gone from there to, to Waycross Wear Tech, or he may have overlapped. I think that was, um, that was about how it happened. Yeah. Now, my uh, uncle Vance Carter uh, was was a worker out there. I remember I think that they name. They may have overlapped a little bit. They, they were did. there about the same time. Yeah, I didn't realize they all were related. Yeah, so. My uncle Vance, I remember when Daddy was in the Air Force and we were stationed in Albany. We lived in a trailer park just uh, uh, east of Albany. And uh, Vance, as a young man, unmarried man, uh, was going to school in Americas to get his electronics license or whatever it is that you get, uh, graduate with certificate or something. Uh, and it must have been a technical school, vocational technical school there. Yeah, there's one the over there. In Americas. But he, he lived with us in our trailer there in Albany <laughs> briefly for a while there, a few weeks or months. And uh, another guy that was, a couple of guys that were out there that, uh, uh, had a lasting impression on me was a Knox character. Oh yeah, he and my dad were close. Yeah. Yep. He's he was kind of a mentor general. to my dad. Yeah. He was a mentor to a lot of them mm -hmm. you know, around here. Yeah, he passed away not long ago. He in did. the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was involved. Uh, we were members at Trinity United Methodist Church, yeah. and he was he was involved there. Um, and when we when my mom came back five years ago, he was still there running the cameras. <laughs> I mean. Wow. Just he was great. like nothing changed. He was great. I don't think he ever married. I don't think he did. He yeah, was, he was one of those yeah. kind that was totally devoted to to electricity. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good at what he did. Very yeah. nice man. Very nice guy, mm -hmm. Knox. Knox, uh, actually, this is a good story for Billy Ray, but I'll see if I can not screw it up. <laughs> Knox was when he was young man working up around Atlanta. 
or or may may have been in Middle Georgia. He actually knew this young songwriter uh, named Joe South, mm. and mm. and Joe was about sixteen when he wrote all of them great songs, them hit songs. He was only sixteen years old. Wow! And he would travel in between home and wherever it was. He would talk to Knox, or Knox would talk to him. And uh, he kept telling Knox about how homesick he was. And that, that song, Don't It Make You Want to Go Home, Don't It Make You Want to Go Home. That was a Joe South original. And uh, uh, Knox was there to <laughs> listen to him, uh, you know, commiserate with, with him about that feeling. And damn if he didn't sit down and write a million seller. It's part of the based inspiration. On, based yeah. on that, you know. And... Uh, um, the other guy that worked out there was uh, Larry Mercer. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. dad knew him. I remember that name Tall, too. Tall, blonde-headed guy who was a uh, um, member of the church that I grew up in, but he was also a teacher out at Wertick. Mm -hmm. Any uh, kin to you, Justin? Larry Mercer? I think he uh, he may have ended up teaching the uh, TV Repair. Right. There was a there was also a TV mm -hmm. repair course out there at the time. But the yeah, time yeah. that we were out there, it was me and Gary Keels, and uh, we were young, and and uh, I uh, I thrived in the course. I was doing good, and and you know, uh, your daddy was you know I was learning under him. Uh, uh, some of them had some issues, but... Um, you think, did any of that knowledge come into play with your music uh, career, like working with sound equipment? And probably very little, because I tend to forget stuff as soon as I, <laughs> as I learn it. It's like I've never been able to... And this, folks, uh, you can get me in a card game <laughs> and gambling and everything and clean me out, because I'm fixing to admit right here, I never can remember the rules to card games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five card stud, gin rummy, and all. As long as Every you remember the words to down, your songs, right? <laughs> I can't even do that. <laughs> I have to have a cheat sheet. But uh, um, Gary and I, uh, you know, I learned a lot in that course. It was fun, you know, and it takes me back. I can remember uh, we were uh, obliged to uh, do a project at some point in there, and I we could order kits of certain things out of a catalog and i ordered a kind of like a strobe light of some kind it was a square box and it had four colors in it and i you built it you wired it mm -hmm. the circuit board and everything and and that was my project and that uh, music that i was listening to at the time back in those days was and and Sweetbriar, it was all wrapped up together. You know, my schooling, the band was going on and we were gigging and learning material and all that was going on at the same time. So it was a rich, rich time for me. Uh, I was two weeks away from <laughs> graduating too. It was so close. You know, I suppose I could have said, guys, Come on, we need to just stretch it out just two weeks, <laughs> or maybe I could have I could have gigged in Valdosta, 
and come yeah come back and commuted back mm-hmm. into because the drummer Bruce Wood was uh he had a job with Waycross Cable Company and uh our keyboard player Ricky Alderman was in his senior year of high school so they were both commuting every day but I guess I just wanted to to be a rock star you had stars in your eyes uh, you said heck with this I've, yeah, I've made I'm, it. I'm out of here <laughs> I'm on the Valdosta. (laughs) (laughs) It all worked out, though. Yeah. uh, My life had purpose. You know, you look back on it. Like Joe Walsh said, everything, when you're going through life, it can seem like one upheaval after another, one train wreck after another. (laughs) You know, it's like... Why me, Lord? You know, and then when you get about 68 years old like me and you start looking back on it, like Joe Walsh said, he said, it looks like a finely crafted paint novel, (laughs) a novel, you know, that this was supposed to happen this way. It looks like perfect. He also said, life's been good to me so far. (laughs) That was a good tune. I'll take take a Joe Walsh impression. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, we sure do. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, and, I appreciate uh, y'all having me. It's been fun. I feel like we could explore some uh, more in the future. Maybe some more. Uh, uh, get in here and talking about music. Yeah, I'd love to. A little deeper and everything, but I'm always listening and reading and mm-hmm. just taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah! Well, we thank you. And uh, cheers, cheers, George sharing a cup coffee. of coffee with y'all. <laughs> coffee club, yeah. What'd you call it? The Cherokee Coffee Club, Cherokee Chat Room. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers. We'll see you next time around. Thanks, Al. Thank y'all. Play the cold black water.